All right, huddle up, huddle up. Let's let's get together here. We gotta we gotta talk. Yeah. Uh, we got something. <laughs> yeah. Saturday. Saturday wasn't great. All right. <laughs> and not just because like four of the the games in our village vice six pack I got wrong. Oh. Uh, yeah, Zach just beat me up and down the floor in the like village two weeks in a row. Man, oh man. Um, yeah, Auburn uh, didn't look good. Texas A&M. I guess we answered the question, Zach, that uh, does the team that's desperate play with a little more of an edge? Is their motivation enough to overcome the team that isn't desperate? And boy, yeah. the answer to that was a resounding yes. Texas A&M's defense was utterly dominant yesterday. And, and, like, was that it? Was it because they were desperate? I don't know. This is Village Vice, by the way. Yeah. Zach Blackerby, Brad Law. We're just so excited to get into this. Yeah. The, um, I don't, like, did Texas A&M Texas look desperate to you? I know that was something that we talked about going into it, but they looked like a team that just lined up and wanted to beat you. And, yeah. and that's exactly what they did, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And on offense, it was kind of only a matter of time till they got it going, even with Max Johnson back there. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. From start to finish, yeah. it just seemed like they were the better team. They did. They looked like the better team. And when I say desperate, I don't mean that necessarily in a disparaging way, but we talked all week about how they couldn't afford a second loss in September after they lost to Miami. A, a two and two start would be very dire for that team. So they look like a team that was, you know, that they're really talented and Hugh Freeze talked about it all week and you could see it on the field. You see it when you look at recruiting rankings and doggone man, they, they played up to that potential for the most part on Saturday, were it not for Eugene Asante's, you know, fumble return for a score, Auburn doesn't find the end zone. Auburn's offense did not find the red zone once in the game. They started both the first quarter and the third quarter, their first offensive possession of each half started with a negative play. Uh, ten penalties in the ball game—just things you cannot do if you want to try to pull an upset on the road. Auburn was a seven, eight-point underdog, and just didn't do the things you have to do to be able to pull upsets on the road. Yeah, and the quarterback play was abysmal. Um, Oozer and in our live chat here says that he agrees with what Jake Crane said which I do too, said Thorne looked scared. Yeah. And look, maybe maybe he wasn't scared. I don't know. But whatever emotion he was, it allowed him to play the game at a very poor level. I don't know if it was a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was fear. I don't know. It was some something to cause him to be uncomfortable, though. Mm -hmm. Right? Because we've talked about this before with Peyton Thorne. The throw would be there. It just was the decision going to be correct. Right. And on Saturday... Not only did we see him continually like not make a decision and play extremely passive when he did make the right decision, a la throwing to Jay Fair on that beautiful route that he had on the sideline that probably would have been a touchdown. Yeah, There's a chance one of the DBs would have caught him. We'll see. Yeah. Regardless, it would have been a huge play. And they would have put Auburn you know, in a situation to score. Um, just air, just total like airmail on it. You know, 10, 15 yards above him, which obviously wasn't good. And so even when, you know, he did make the right decision, he just missed. He was way off of his mark. So that's just not really what I expected, especially after how crisp and sharp he looked um, following Sanford. So it's not a good look, and it's not a good feeling 
Brad, yeah. moving forward. No, it's not. And and Hugh Freeze said going into halftime, he pointed out that his quarterback is dropping his head way too early. Uh, the pass rush affected him. Uh, seven sacks in the game and like what, fifteen tackles for loss. It's uh, they really stacked the the stats. Texas A and M's defense did, and and that. You know, we've seen Auburn's defense do it to quarterbacks in the past. We've seen, you know, this game reminded me an awful lot of uh, a couple of games. 2016 against Texas A&M, it was a low-scoring defensive struggle. Gosh, two years ago against Texas A&M at their place was a low-scoring defensive struggle. And then there's a big play late that kind of busts it open, and, and it was very similar to this. It also reminded me a little bit of the 2017 Clemson game. That offensive line, and I've tried to draw comparisons to this year's offensive line to the 2017 line. I don't know if we're going to get there now, having watched four complete games. But yeah. you know, the second game of 2017, that team gave up 11 sacks to Clemson. They were able to get better throughout the year, and this offensive line is going to have to do that. Where does you know everybody wants to find blame, and we mm -hmm. understand that. So I, I just don't think it's as easy as one thing. I think the offensive line was outmatched. I think Peyton made some bad decisions and he paid too much attention to the rush too soon. Um, play calling at times was there. Could they have sure. done some different things in that department? Well, they're, yes. they're probably talking about that. So I think there's a lot of things from a play to play basis that all added up to a really negative result. Do you think Hugh Free should call plays? Is it at that point? No, not necessarily. I'm, okay. I don't think you immediately, because I think once you go that route, it's hard to come back from it. Sure. It's not even, like, even next year, too. Like, you've got to stick yeah. with it as long as, you know, Philip Montgomery's here. Sure. It's, it's not like you're trying to go to a, like, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant one time and there's a hundred restaurants in your town, like here in Auburn, and you go, well, we're never going to that restaurant again. Well, you can do that when you live in a big city and you live in a place where there are lots of different options. Once you go away from Philip Montgomery calling plays to Hugh Freeze calling plays, you can't it's, – it's not easy just to go back. So, no, I, I don't think we're at that point yet. I, I'm with you because, look, was play calling perfect on Saturday? No. No, it wasn't. But I do think it was better than Cal. I mean, they got guys open. Peyton just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Either quick enough or at all or when he did, he missed. Or, hey, there were times where, you know, he'd put it in and – um, you know, Cam Brown had a drop and it's like, okay, well, that's probably one like wasn't an easy catch, but boy, we really needed that. Yeah. That would have been a great first catch of the season for Cam Brown. But also like there were times where, okay, it doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. And as a play caller and as an offensive coach, that's a huge part of the game plan, which I assume Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze are both huge parts of the game. But if, if not, Hugh Freeze certainly will be moving forward. You thought that would be the case after Cal. Yeah. It certainly will be the case now if it wasn't. But they've got to know, like with, with Peyton, okay, hey, this is your first read. This is your second read. And if not, run. Go forward and do yeah. it. You know, th there's no reason. Because RG3 was talking about it during the broadcast. And Brad, you're very lucky that you didn't have to listen to that. But the the aspect of, you know, what he was talking about from a quarterback point of view was as soon as you hesitate after you kind of step into the pocket, it's too late. And RG3 was right. He absolutely yeah. nailed that. And there's just a lot of indecisiveness with everything about the quarterbacks and specifically Peyton Thorne. I think Robbie was actually pretty decisive when he got the opportunities to do so. Um, 
I don't know. It's just, it feels like we're a long way away and it's yeah. disheartening. It is. And um, we're going to leave your comments, questions, comments here uh, as, as we go throughout the show. And, and we'll have some of these and, uh, and highlight some of these. My mom said she's still supporting Peyton Thorne. <laughs> there you go. Way to Wonderful. Go, uh, Sam, I imagine it's hard to play call when nothing is working on the field, to be fair. Yeah, there probably is a little bit of, of okay, guys, what do we do? And can, can, I, can I push back against that just for I, a second? I, I want you to, yeah. Because I think the running game was fine. Okay. And we went away from it. We went away from it. And I talk about this a lot on the show that's going up tomorrow, Locked on Auburn, but it's like this weird balance of the, the play calling doesn't fully trust the quarterbacks to make the right decision, but they're mm -hmm. not going to call the plays to do that. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why they went away from the running game. And I know you lost Damari and that stinks, but Jarquez Hunter, when he got the ball, made the most of it. Brian yeah. Batty, holy cow. I mean, that dude's got a different gear yeah. than everyone else. And it's like we went away from that despite it working. And it took us too long to get to it, Brad. This yeah. whole narrative of Auburn couldn't run the football against Texas A&M was actually crap. That was actually incorrect and wrong. And once they got into it and they were able to run the ball, it's like, okay, we've got something. And then they would stop and they would go away from it. So to me as a play caller, like you didn't call the one thing that was working consistently. Yeah. So uh, I, that's, that's why I pushed back. Okay. That. Just a and, little bit. And you know what? And I was curious to go look at the stats and I look at the box score from the game. And this is why you typically don't need to do that. And Auburn's rushing, uh, Auburn averaged three and a half yards a rush. Well, obviously, sacks. We get sacked seven times. That's gonna right. that's gonna take away from that. And you know, if your if your quarterbacks aren't gonna rush the ball effectively uh, as a part of the running game, they try. They tried to call a couple of design runs early for Peyton, and he scrambled early, and it just didn't work. Brian Batie averaged seven point four yards a carry. Jarquez mm -hmm. Hunter averaged five point nine yards a carry. Uh, Damari Alston, before he was hurt, was was two carries for twelve yards, so right at six. And Jeremiah Cobb only had the one carry. So uh, you can back up the statement that the running game was working fine. I just, I wonder if they got behind and then, yeah, from a play, a play calling pers perspective thought, we still have to try to be balanced. We've got to throw the ball and chunk plays are there to be made if we can have time to make the play. Like, I wonder if they had such confidence in the play calling because they were there. Sure. They were there. The execution just wasn't there. That they said if we keep trying, we'll we'll hit on these. I don't know. Those are things I don't know. Those like those are part of the discussions that Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and the rest of that offensive staff have had throughout today that become a part of tomorrow's practice and the rest mm -hmm. of prep as you go throughout the week. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought every time Batty and Hunter touched the football and Damari before he got hurt. Um, and we'll learn more about his injury tomorrow, it sounds like. But like, I don't think that was the issue. Yeah. I don't think that was the issue at all. And hey, props to Sean Jackson for ripping a long one, too. It's just like, yeah. I think that was there. I think it was yeah. there, but that's not what they chose to go to. So, oh yeah. man. Hey, uh, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Make your money work smarter, not harder with our friends at my bookie. I told you Texas AM was going to cover. I told mm. you. I told you. I, I didn't want to be right, but I was. I was. And that's what uh, our friends at MyBookie uh, are so great because now you can celebrate w this winning season at MyBookie with their biggest welcome offer ever, 110% deposit match 
on that first deposit. You heard that right. You can make more than double your money before you even place a bet by making a deposit with MyBookie. All you have to do is head over to MyBookie.ag and use promo code NEXTROUND. Be sure to act quickly because they are going to change this offer soon. It's too risky for them. It's too risky for them to take advantage of the 110%. Are you kidding me? Once again, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code NEXTROUND. You know, a lot of people say they want to give 110%. MyBookie actually does give 110%. You know who else gives 110%? Who? Eugene Asante. He (laughs) is him, Brad Law. Yeah, I'll tell you, he's as impressive a guy. He is as impressive a guy, player and young man. Just he's the the full package as we've had around here in a very long time. He did radio with us after the game, and... You could tell his mind. He wanted to watch film. He wanted to see what he did wrong. He wanted to get better. Hugh Freeze talks about his effort. Still got to get get the alignment just right a hundred percent of the time. But man, that guy is all over the place. Doesn't know a gear. I mean, doesn't know a speed other than just full throttle. And thank goodness he was on the field for Auburn Saturday. One hundred percent. I thought the defensive backs looked good. Um, I think defensive line looked okay for most of the game. Mm-hmm. It's weird how little we play Keltrick Falk. It's weird, yeah. but like he impacts the play like every four pass rushes that he has. Like it's pretty remarkable. Do you have the the Do you have the snaps played? The number of snaps you've you've had that up? Yeah, I, I, uh, get, it, I get it. I get it a second. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did. You know, we saw a little more of uh, Justin Rogers and Lawrence Johnson in the game. They played. I feel like I, they were on the field more, and we were noticing them more. So I think in the heat, you had to to try to rotate your guys. It was hard to get a pass rush against their offensive line. It really was. And um, even with exotics, like there were some times that Auburn brought exotic blitzes, but they came from really far away or they were delayed or, you know, there was once and I don't, there was a linebacker who looked like he hesitated before he really zeroed in. Um, it just, even that part was a little bit out of sync. Sure. And yeah, and- I mean, we saw two crazy blitzes from DBs, right? We saw Caleb wouldn't come from the back end and he got his first sack as an Auburn Tiger. Very, very cool. And then we saw Jalen Simpson wasn't a sack, but it was the hit that eventually led mm-hmm. Connor Wegman to leave the game. Um, so both of those were, um, were solid. As far as uh, total snaps, uh, Keldrick Falk had 23 snaps and for context okay. auburn had 61 snaps on defense so right. a little Keldrick more than played, a third yeah and then 12 of those were pass rushing snaps and on the 12 pass rushes he impacted the quarterback three times hmm. he had one quarterback hit and two quarterback hurries like you just got you got to play him more yeah you have to figure it out i know marcus harris has been incredible so yeah. far this year i don't know you got to scoot you got to scoot marcus inside to, to make snaps for Keldrick. You don't have to do it a ton, mm-hmm. but Keldrick needs more reps. And he he didn't get a whole lot against uh, UMass. He didn't get a whole lot against Cal. He got more against Sanford just because everybody yeah. did. And then, you know, this uh, 23 is not enough. But, you know, Elijah McAllister only had 19, right? Jalen played a lot. Like, it, I feel like every time that I... Every time I looked on the field, 35 was in the game. Yes, I, I'm trying to find him. Yeah. He was finally healthy, and, you know, he, he was out. And it wasn't just on third down either. Jalen McLeod was out on first and second down. He was. He played 41 snaps. All right. So he played two thirds of the snaps on defense. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yep. Larry Nixon led the defense with 58. Jalen Simpson with 53. DJ with 48. Nehemiah Pritchett, 47. Eugene Asante, 45. I mean, those are kind of your heavy hitters, which are the names that we heard, mm -hmm. you know, all game, which, so that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. I, you know, I went over this with you before we came on mm -hmm. and I've got some, some rankings that I want to throw out to you. And All right. Hugh Freeze said on Monday, he said, just look at the last few years of recruiting and look what they've been able to stockpile. And this is in no way to disparage Auburn's guys. Those guys are working just as hard at practice as the guys who were ranked higher in the recruiting ratings. See, they're, they're putting in the work. They're putting in the effort. That's not a question. All right. Dylan Wade was rated a two-star out of high school. He was a number 213, 213th rated offensive guard coming out of high school, right? Gunnar Britton was the number 258 offensive tackle coming out of high school. Now, those guys went to their first schools. They worked their tails off mm -hmm. at their first school and to earn the opportunity at Auburn. And they are laying everything on the line, right? That's where they work. That's where they were evaluated coming out of high school. Jeremiah Wright was the number 48 rated offensive guard coming out of high school. Cam Stutz was an offensive tackle, the number 32 rated offensive tackle. He's playing guard. Avery Jones was actually rated as an interior offensive lineman. He's the center. He was rated the number four offensive guard in the country coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. And now he's at center. Yeah, he's pretty good too. By comparison... Shamar Turner was a four-star in the number 10 defensive lineman in the country coming out. Shamar Stewart was a five-star in the number one player in Florida, the third-rated defensive lineman. Edron Cooper had a couple of sacks, the number nine offensive linebacker in the country, four stars. McKinley Jackson, four-star, number eight defensive tackle, number one player in Mississippi. Walter Nolan, a five-star, the number one defensive lineman, and the number one player in Tennessee. This is a Texas A&M defense that had the number one high school player in Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi on the field. We probably didn't. You know what? This list might have been more helpful last week in previewing this game than after sure. the fact today. Well, you'll be able to do it next week too. Sure will. Yeah, you sure will. It gives you a scope of the kind of challenge that's in front of these guys, and they will do everything they can to try to meet that challenge but at the end of the day, that's why Hugh Freeze is looking through the lens of recruiting every time he speaks. Yes, and it's important. Don't get me wrong. I do think when you look at this offensive line, if the scheme and the game plan would have been a little bit cleaner and the execution by quarterback or receivers would have been a little mm -hmm. more efficient, I don't think this is a conversation that we're having. Because, mm -hmm. you know, people are saying in the in the comment section, we've already kind of agreed that Auburn was able to run the ball when they wanted to. Yeah. With, with you know, the, these guys that you that were rated much lower than Texas A&M's defensive front seven coming out of high school. Yeah. And the That's pass the protection, while the sacks, Brad, were bad, they weren't all because of pass pro. A lot of that had to do with indecisiveness from the quarterback. You're right. And something that had to do with, you know, just people not looking prepared. Yeah. Um, obviously six sacks for that to happen. A lot has to go wrong. Like it's not just one thing. So obviously, you know, the, the offensive line needs to take some of the blame for sure. I'm not defending that, but to give up that many sacks, it has to be more than just one yeah. 
thing. And they were able to run the ball, I think, when they when those numbers were called. So, yes, the mismatch was dire. But, look, we knew that going into the year, mm-hmm. right? That's going to happen in these three-game stretches. It happened against Texas A&M. It's going to happen this weekend against Georgia. Yeah. It's probably going to happen against LSU, too. I think the LSU mismatch may be a little bit better in, in favor of Auburn versus the other ones. But still, they're going to have an uphill battle there. And then I think it's going to be kind of, it's going to open up until they play Alabama in the iron bowl, but that's at home and who knows what could happen Yeah, there, but that's just going to be part of it. And that's not going to go away in a one recruiting cycle or two recruiting cycles. I mean, it's going to take substantial change or a total collapse at at Texas A&M for Auburn to kind of move ahead of them consistently in the recruiting rankings. It just is. It's going to take time. No, it is. And the reason those recruiting rankings are important is to try to bring those numbers a little bit closer um, sure. to try to close the gap a little bit. And then that's where that's where a lot of your scheme and, and motivation and things like that can can take totally over. Good. I am with you, though. That That is the offensive line that helped pave the way uh, and the defense. The defense is probably a bigger part of it than the offense. But Texas A&M had the ball two minutes in the second quarter. <laughs> two minutes. Yeah. They had six plays in the second quarter. They had two three and outs on def- uh, on offense. And the Auburn offense was on the field 13 minutes. They went down. They kicked the long field goal with Alex McPherson. Mm-hmm. And I thought at that point, didn't you, that Auburn was in great shape? Yeah. At, at halftime, you're down, what, one? Right? It was down seven three to six. Point. It's okay. six to three. Six to three. Six to three at the half. It's like, yeah. I mean, you felt... And you just held the ball good. for almost the whole quarter. Yeah, you felt good about it. Then the third quarter happened, and what a disaster. Yeah. What a disaster the third quarter was for Auburn. And you credit Max Johnson, you credit their offense for for you know starting a half the way that they needed to start a half. They completely controlled the third quarter. Yeah. And you know, it sometimes it is Auburn's offensive line, sometimes it is Peyton Thorne. Maybe it's a play call here or there. Sometimes it's also those guys on the other team making plays that they needed to make. And yeah, you credit Bobby Petrino and you credit their offense. They found some major gaps Good for them. In, in Auburn's zone looks defensively and took Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Brad, I asked you this question. And then I also asked our chat that's here mm-hmm. live. This question, if you're watching this on the man later, please comment. I'm curious, Brad. And while people are doing this, you, um, you can give some love to Lance's lock, but is this fixable? in a short amount of time this far into the season? It's a very good question. that in a second. Yeah, let's let's do it. Right now, i got to tell you, football's here. I mean, there's football going on right now as we speak. Uh, what kind of weekend have you had? You know, I, I should have maybe listened to Lance'sLock.com. Should have got my picks from there, and maybe I could have won the Village Vice six-pack. Uh, if you need plays, go to Lance'sLock.com. Right now is the time. Get the best price on the monthly packages or the annual packages to take you beyond football into basketball into to the beginning of next year's Major League Baseball season. Get it all. Sign up today for the best deal at lanceslock.com. Proud partner here with Village Vice. All right. Is the offense, the offensive issues, can we fix them this far into the season? Brad, I'll let you start, and then we'll go to some of our live chat folks. Yeah, fixable is... Um, is one of those terms that is, I think, fluid because every game it's new matchups, it's new schemes sure. that you're facing, it's different talent that you're facing, it's a different, you know, you, you have a different lineup of guys who are 
healthy or not healthy. It's it's a fluid thing throughout the year. Can you fit what I think you first have to identify what's the first thing that if it was different would have changed the outcome of the game most Saturday. Is it the quarterback play? Is it offensive line play? Is it receivers? Is it play calling? Uh, I, think, I, I think overall preparation would have fixed it. And okay. I think that goes into play calling, and I think that goes into execution by the quarterback. Okay. Peyton Thorne did not look like he was prepared properly. For the defense, the environment, the for, for, yeah. for, for any of it. Yeah. I mean, Which was is, there any moment where you looked at Peyton Thorne and you're like, this guy is prepared for today? Isn't that odd, too? Because he's played at Ohio State. He's played at Penn State. He's, I mean, he's been in those environments. Yeah, it's like he's putting too much talent just that much better. I don't know. I don't know if it's a pressure thing or or what. Um, surely there's more pressure in the current gig for him than there was at Michigan State. I would guess. Yeah. I don't know that, but he's kind of been brought in to be the savior until Walker White's old enough, right? That's kind yeah. of what it feels like. And I'm sure he's aware he's not dumb. He seems like a very bright individual. We've both gotten the chance to talk to him multiple times. It seems like that's kind of what we're dealing with here. And look, I don't know how I deal with that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really care how mature you are. That's a lot to carry. It's yeah. a lot to shoulder, but he asked for that. And so yeah. he got it. Um, so I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. If I, if I had to pick one thing, the overall preparation for the game I yeah. don't think the coaches had this team ready. Okay. Can you fix that? Don't know. Before Georgia. Can you can you I don't coach think you, in I don't such think you a way? To. I don't think you have to, because you're not going to beat Georgia anyway. Okay. I you like would need a massive overhaul to beat Georgia anyway. Yeah. But you get a bye week and you can beat LSU on the road. Yeah. We saw that. But you know what the biggest difference? I mean, you know why Arkansas almost beat Georgia? I mean, I'm sorry, almost, almost beat LSU? Because K.J. Jefferson looked like the most poised quarterback you have ever seen in that environment. He yeah, was L LSU's around dudes and Yeah, yeah, for sure. LSU's defense has holes in it, much like A&M's did. But if you have a quarterback that's scared the whole time, yeah, doesn't matter, right? Yeah. All right. Let's see what some folks said. Um, NH says, if I'm Hugh Freeze, it's definitely fixable, but I'm having offense tryouts Monday at practice. Maybe a little extreme, but I get it. Yeah. I think you definitely kind of put out a message like, who's going to step up? Who's going to step up for me? I need to see it. I'm sure you do that kind of message, right? I, I think so. I mean, um, I'm I'm looking through. I had another one from from NH who said Brian Bettine needs to play more. He may now, especially if Damari is out for any significant period of time. I think by default you're going to see Brian Bettine more. I thought it was interesting that we talked about Jeremiah Cobb throughout the week multiple times, and he only got one carry yeah. in the game. I just thought it was interesting. I'm not saying well he needs ten carries again. I just thought it was interesting that he only got the one touch, especially with Damari going down. Yeah. yeah. But also just like eye test and feel like I don't think they were wrong on the running back rotation. Yeah. Um, just because we've already kind of touched on this. Um, all right. Justin says, I don't think it is. It's possible, but I'm not hopeful. Thorne looks scared. I'd roll with Gurner, give him little five to seven yard passes and let him develop. 
I understand the sentiment to that, but if you give any quarterback five to seven yard passes and that's 80% of what you call for that guy, uh, defenses are, they're going to crowd the line. They're going to adjust to that. And you're just, you're taking away most of the field. I do think going forward, the way that you fix or get more out of this offense is, is, to focus a little more on the running game. I don't think you need to worry about being as balanced if you're able to run the ball effectively with the running backs. They were they were effective with a toss sweep several times, just an old-fashioned toss. Get guys on the edge, let them make mm-hmm. guys miss, and get some extra yards that way. And I thought that they were very intentional about trying to shorten the game. They ran the play clock down on purpose a lot. Somebody mentioned earlier uh, at, at the beginning of the show how many of those 10 penalties were delay a game penalties for extra yardage for a punt. And yeah, there were two or three of those, um, but they were being intentional about trying to shorten the game. So I think if you're going to do that, more running plays on the edge. I think that's a way you can do that. If you're effective, you're going to you're going to use the clock. You're going to have two and a half hour games. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at it. So he threw four passes behind the line of scrimmage. Four passes short, zero to nine yards. Three passes intermediate, 10 to 19. And then he only threw one deep. I'm trying to remember who that was too. I guess that would have been the Jay Fair, right? Uh, I don't know that that was beyond 15 yards though in the air. Yeah, it may not have been. There were three passes and I think the one was deep. I don't remember who it was too. There were three that were just so severely overthrown. The one to fair on the wheel route was one. He led Luke Deal. Uh, he, he was way too high, sure. way too far on one. And then there was one right down the middle. And I forget. I don't know if it was shorter or if it was somebody else who was the intended target. But um, just massive overthrows. Um, Not good. And, you know, there were a couple elements of the game that Auburn just didn't get a chance to. And, again, this is Texas A&M's defense. Didn't allow Auburn in the red zone. So we didn't get to see the Robbie Ashford red zone package. Dude, we didn't, they didn't let Robbie do anything. No, because so, I, I think, I think there was an element of we're going to use him in the red zone. Which is crazy though, because it seemed like there was a moment a few drives into the third quarter where they, it felt like they pulled Peyton and put Robbie in. Yeah. Which at the time was like, yeah, okay, it's probably fair. And then I'm like, let's see what Robbie can do. Give him the full offense. And then it's third down. And they pulled Robbie out and put yeah. Peyton back in. It's like, what do you do? Who does this help? Yeah. Who does this help? It doesn't help Robbie continue the flow of the game. Because imagine if he would have gotten that. Maybe they get some offense going. Maybe he gets some kind of confidence going. Who knows? But instead, Peyton, who hasn't thrown the ball in 20 minutes, you bring him off the bench for one play, then to trot off and punt. Like, how does that help anybody? It's like you talk about as a head coach, your job is to put guys in situations to succeed. And I just can't imagine that use either, either pull Peyton or don't. Yeah. Like, and, and I was fine with it. I was fine with like, let's see, let's see if Robbie could do it. Cause imagine if he brought Auburn back with that, his dynamic legs, how incredible that have been. That would have been yeah. awesome. And it's like, whenever it was a big moment for him to say, okay, can Robbie do it? They didn't even give him the chance. Now, I think that's unfortunate. Robbie was one for four passing, but Coach says three of his four passes were on target. 
not been given the chance to show it. I'd, I'd go back. Uh, I'd like to go back and see the targets versus catches and what those look like. I don't have those on the the stats in front of me, but again, I, I think it's everybody on the. I think everybody on that side of the ball is looking back at film today and and uh, tomorrow, and and they're going, yeah, it's a little bit on me. It's it's a little bit. I think there's enough to go around. Uh, all right, so your targets are Rivaldo was thrown to four times. He mm -hmm. caught three of them. Shane Hooks was thrown to five times. He caught three of them. Okay. Petit was two for two. Dave Fair was thrown to twice. He caught one. Obviously, the other one was the big overthrow on the sideline. Yep. Um, all of these guys were thrown to once and didn't catch it. Jair Shorter, Camden Brown, Tyler Fromm, Jarquez Hunter, and Damari Austin. And then Javarius Johnson was thrown to twice with no receptions. And Malcolm Johnson Jr. was thrown to three times with no receptions. Yeah. Man. So not great. No. Not great. It not, stinks. It yeah. stinks. And I want it to get fixed. I want it to get fixed <laughs> for all because all those guys' names that we just said. Yeah. Like they deserve it. They deserve it. So they they're working, they're working hard enough for it, right? They're they're putting in the same kind of work Monday through Thursday that all these other guys are throughout the league. So That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see, very interested to see if the running game is more of a focus, if you know, if Robbie Ashford plays more and has more of the offense at his disposal, if he's called more or if you start seeing younger guys, whether that's offensive linemen, whether that's Connor Lou, Dylan Senda, some of the younger guys on the offensive line, whether it's other positions, at what point? This is now. Look, this is one game. This is three and one. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to be favored to beat Georgia. No. If you don't beat Georgia, you go three and two right out of the gate. It's pretty close to where a whole bunch of people thought you'd be. Totally. So, so, totally. So at that point, and this is kind of just semantics. How much is you have to fix versus? Yeah, just well, get I, wish we, I wish we were further along, but this is kind of where we thought we'd be. So let's keep riding. And as we keep riding along, as long as we're on the right road, we're going to get to the destination eventually. I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought Auburn's a seven and five team going into the year. Thought it after Cal, thought it after Sanford. I think it after Texas A&M. I had Auburn losing this game in my like predictions this year. Yeah. They were one of the five losses. So was Georgia, so was LSU, so was Ole Miss. And so Auburn could still lose four straight and go seven and five, which is what most people, so most people had them going. So we'll see. Not another from Justin. I think maybe oh. we just booged too hard. I always booked too hard. I did. I really did. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I think the team did too. I mean, I, I think the team went in there thinking they were going to win the game. And you like, I mean, obviously. They should. They, they should, should yeah, right. Yeah. That's so easy to but. I mean, I don't think it was just talk. I think they legitimately thought. And again, going into halftime, is there anybody watching today who thought, no, I'm telling you, it's about to come unraveled. That backup quarterback is going to come in and set the world on fire. And nobody thought that. Everybody thought Auburn was set up in a great position to start. Did that you think we were going to win after Eugene Asante scored the defensive touchdown? Was no, because it was a 10-point game at that point still. I that's when the bug came back. Yeah. For me. I, I thought it was going to be very tough. I I don't ever concede a game. I I kind of can't in my position. I don't ever concede a game 
un, until it's over, but I thought it's still really tough because the offense is going to have to find a way, barring like another defensive score. Yep. The offense hadn't gotten to the red zone. And boy, that's True. tough. That's just really tough. tough. Brad, tell folks when we're dropping shows this week because I never I never remember our schedule. <laughs> we're gonna have shows Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, and Thursday. Got it. So you can catch us each day, or if you like, and we don't, I mean, look, you do it whichever way you want to. You could binge watch on Friday. True. And get ready for the game. Or binge watch on Saturday. Like get your phone, cast it to the TV that you have mm. at your tailgate, mm -hmm. and and get yourself an hour and a half of village vice before Auburn and Georgia Saturday. That's right. That works too. That's true. That's true. All right. Thank you uh, to everybody who stopped by the live. If you could like the video and click subscribe, it would help the channel and the show out a ton. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, Brad, I think that's about it. All right. Remember everyone has vices. Everyone has vices. So make sure village vice is one of yours.